Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business of Sports Tourism podcast. I'm Joel Lamp with the Huntsville Massa County Convention and Visitors Bureau, and I am joined by my team. It's, it's uh, our friends in Spokane, Cherie Gwynn with Spokane Sports. We got Ben Snyder out in Grand Junction, Colorado, and back for her second full episode is Cassie Poss out in Fort Worth, Texas. Gang, how are y'all today? Doing great, man. We're excited to talk some esports, get back, get the band back together. Yeah, I, you know, this is this is going to be a fun episode talking about esports. We've all played video games at some point in our life, um, but nothing like what we've seen uh, the last uh, couple of years in the growth of esports. So, uh, this is going to be a fun episode to uh, talk with our friends and. Uh, and learn some more stuff. Um, Cassie, you guys are hosting uh, the Halo games or something like that, right? Yeah, we're we're hosting Halo series um, coming up in um, August, September. Uh, so we're the final leg on that before they they head off to the championships. And we've also last last year we hosted. Um, the Rocket League World Championships, and we've also hosted uh, Call of Duty as well, um, World Championships. So, uh, you know, excited to be on this call and and, um, and not only talk about those large events and and what what um, you know the demographics and everything else that we're 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 seeing, um, and having our our friends kind of talk through what they're seeing on their side, but also at the same time is is there's so many new things coming up in the space as well and how you know, um, different destinations can get involved and and how to really um, support these events when they do come uh, to their cities. Yeah, uh, esports has grown a lot more than Pong. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, you know, that's Super right. Mario Brothers, that was, uh, you know, Tecmo Super Bowl. That's about where it, it died out for me, unfortunately. But uh, I watched my where, kids is play. That, is that where you hung it up, Joel? Is that where you yeah, retired? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've I've played Fortnite twice and I just get a gun and hide in the middle of the thing. Just, uh, my kids like that's not how you play, and I'm like, that's how I play. But no, I think I, you're I, just flossing in the corner. You're over there dancing around. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. The pause. <laughs> yeah, I spent I spent a hundred bucks on all the dances so I could uh, just sit there and dance the whole time. Well, let's bring in our guest from this week. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jeff Gaddick. Jeff, uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to you, and then we'll kind of dive into the conversation. Awesome, awesome. Well, great to be with you folks today. I'm certainly not the expert on esports, but I'm really the bridge that will uh, bring this together today. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, we're, we're the publishers of Sports Planning Guide. Uh, many of you know in the community know us as SPG. Uh, we're a resource for the competitive sports tournament industry. Uh, we produce the industry's annual uh, print guide, a weekly newsletter, a content-based website, and uh, work with different destinations and facilities on uh, best practices and tournament planning. And uh, we've been doing this for since 2009. So we're kind of an old timer in this business now. Um, my first glimpse into the Esports Trade Association, who are our guests on today, uh, was through a promotion I saw on LinkedIn last summer. Uh, they were promoting their conference in Chicago, and we're also based in Chicago. So um, I sent that on to two of our editorial staff and asked them, you know, learn about this organization. I'd never encountered them before. Well, long story short, uh, two of my editorial team, Chris Silbernagel and Nick Povolitis, attended the show and came back with rave reviews. Um, and honestly, they're hard to please, folks. You know, we do a lot of shows in this business, um, not only about the show, but about the organization and their mission and you know, how people were open to sharing ideas and best practices. So that led to a series of discussions with Megan Van Patten, who's on. Say hi, Megan. Hi there, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yep. So Megan and also her board about how we could work together and sort of spread the gospel of esports. Um, so, you know, what I found is there's a big misunderstanding in this industry, which is why I'm really happy to be on today about sort of how the esports business works. You know, we kind of get the, the ball and bat sports and how that operates, but a lot of real misconceptions about esports. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll reference sort of an analogy that 
I got in, in our onboarding call when we joined ESTA. And it's that it's like you're in a wrestling match and you're having the time of your life in the arena. Everybody's hooping and hollering, really enjoying the energy and the atmosphere. And it's just, it's a phenomenal time. But everybody outside the arena can't figure out why guys are running around in tights. And I think that's very true from an insider-outsider perspective. So um, from both Megan, and uh, who's the founder of the Esports Trade Association, um, she's a visionary association leader, uh, and also uh, John Davidson, who is a absolute thought leader in the esports industry. Uh, he's the board chair of um, ESTA and also uh, the host of his own podcast. So why don't I turn it over to you two, and you can talk a little bit about yourselves and sort of what we're up to today. Well, well, first, we got to dive into that may be the greatest de description of esports I've ever heard. Uh, Jeff, that was fantastic. Yeah. I also rarely wear tights. <laughs> oh, well, <that's, laughs> Throw that in there. That's good. That's good. I think I think we need to have a bet in the future, and that needs to be like what we're playing for keeps on. Like so, so John, I think then there's an opportunity for you to pull those out and uh, yeah, said rarely. So that that makes me think that you've got some. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a, a chance. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a dress up uh party here in our future with tights. It right. sounds like it's going to be some sort of losing or winning bet. <laughs> like. <a> <laughs> It depends. Depends on your point of view. Lose or win is, right. is yeah. in the eye of the beholder, <clears throat> for sure. So, 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 Megan, t tell us a little bit about Esther. Oh boy. Um, first off, thank you for having John and I on this incredible show. I must say, Joel, for those of you that are not watching, which you can, you may want to tune in because this is a first. And don't do this at home, please. Joel is not only driving, he's also <laughs> sipping his sweet tea. Is it, is, it, from... is, it, is it a sweet tea or is it a slushy? Because I saw some red stuff in there. Like, so I'm not sure if he went to like 7-Eleven or, oh, it is no, tea. It it's, is tea. Okay. It's, 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 it's half and half tea. I, I have to, I have to back down on the sweetness level. So, and, and the great thing is I'm in the middle of the Thunderdome that is uh, I-565. So. Here, I, I'll give you, uh, for those of you who are watching. Screen's a bad it, idea. I'll, I'll, right. give you, I'll give you a little dashboard cam. <laughs> it's like a traffic yeah. cam live. I love yeah. it. Yeah, wow. it's a live. Yeah. Be a YouTube video of a crash soon. If we keep it up. Yeah. Is this your wife's car? Because where are the all of the I voted stickers? <laughs> so, so, Megan, I hate to tell you, this is not the first time we've had to do this on the show. <laughs> uh, so, I'm actually driving the CVB car today. Oh, so all the I voted stickers are uh, no longer uh, in this car. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm worried about the You're liability not... at this point. You just said you were in a CVB car. Like, oh, yeah. Lord. <laughs> yeah, I, I would do it. We're violating all sports rules. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, um, John, did you want me to take the first question or did you want to take it? I know this is your favorite question. Sure. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I, I'm the one who talks too much. So I'll go ahead and take this first one, try to get out of my system. But yeah, as you said, uh, Megan is the founder of the Esports Trade Association and just so thankful that uh, she recruited me as, as well as some other members for the founding board about six years ago. Uh, I was then voted to be president, now board chair. Um, our mission at the Esports Trade Association is really to provide sustainable growth for the esports industry and really supporting the variety of members uh, throughout the industry. So what we see at the industry is that we have two main groups of people. We've got the core esports industry, which understands gaming, youth culture, consumer behavior, all of these things, but typically pretty young people who just simply don't have a very long business career or a lot of experience in traditional business. The other group, probably people more likely on this call, are business professionals who for decades have uh, worked in professional businesses, have a lot of expertise there, but the ecosystem of esports is confusing. Uh, the consumer behavior of the skeptical community is hard to understand. And so we essentially have two groups of people who need each other 
but struggle to communicate. And so the Esports Trade Association is that bridge. Uh, one of the ways that we like to refer to our association as well is a safe space to learn about esports. Uh, anybody who's been online, specifically Twitter or Reddit, uh, may have seen some threads of uh, people being uh, brutalized, for lack of a better term, or <laughs> companies who have approached the industry in ways that the community did not appreciate. Uh, it can be rough out there online. And so we like to invite people to the association to learn about esports. If you're not capitalizing the word right, that's okay. We'll teach you how. You know, we don't say e-gaming. We say esports, and you can learn those things and many, many other things about the industry and gain great connections that'll be complementary to your business. Um, all here to learn and um, collaborate and do business better together than apart. And as you can hear, I am the luckiest founder in the world because John and I have gone on record to say is the greatest chairman I've ever been so honored to work with. And there, you know, I've been doing this for two decades. Um, yeah. And this has been for sure the, you know, the, the most interesting journey and it's just really beginning. We work really closely with partnership and that is so important to us. We're so delighted to have partnered with Jeff and all of they're doing over at his company. And, and we're just delighted to be here. So thank you. Yeah. And I can add really quick to how we kind of bring that mission to life um, concisely. So, you know, one way that we are different from some other events in the industry is we're more than just a, a one annual event. We have weekly, monthly, always on programming for our members, whether that's hosting LinkedIn Lives that are featuring thought leaders to help our members learn more about a specific subject um, or our local chapters where we're enabling our global association to get down to that local in-person engagement um, type of experience. Uh, we have coffee connections where we're helping people make great connections that will help do business better together than apart. And we have our tentpole event, which is August 20th through 22nd this year in Chicago, where we're bringing out all the big speakers throughout the industry. Um, everyone from, you know, seasoned video game publishers to, Hey, I just found out about esports and how can I get involved? How can I help? And really creating experiences around networking so that people build those relationships and the follow-ups are just, much more effective and enjoyable. Well, we're really grateful you guys have joined us. And honestly, um, we're, we're covering the entire sports tourism industry, but really the emergence of esports over the last handful of years. Um, and I think it's important to note, and maybe you guys can touch on this briefly, of esports at what levels? You've got the youth, adult, and then truly international components of this. Um, can you briefly talk about kind of your reach across the the global scale, and then um, focus on kind of those, those age demographics as well. That's one thing that we launched this year. We we just had to go, like John just said, from global to grassroots. And we, um, in January, started taking chapter applications. And we have chapters from Sri Lanka, Puerto Rico, Toronto, yeah. Um, to as simple as Chicago and and Dallas um, and you know where 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 we lo where we're located and boy if there's one thing that um, that we do as an association is is really try to get to where um, where everyone is and esports doesn't sleep <laughs> even the tournaments don't sleep. So <laughs> we, so like we that. really, we really get around and it's, it's awesome. Um, we, John, I don't know if you want to part, uh, talk about the, uh, six flags launch. That's been a wonderful, um, partnerships, what they've done at E6 gaming, John, I think that's a, a great story to talk about the locations that are coming from them and how we're supporting that with a chapter. Absolutely. Yeah. So to give a little context to that question is, you know, one of the reasons why uh, esports can be so complicated for cities and CVBs and local sports commissions is that this is an industry that has grown the opposite of traditional sports. 
So if you think about traditional sports, um, let's say me and Megan, we start a stickball uh, sport and it, you know, it gains popularity in our neighborhood and then the city, county, state, nationally, maybe globally, right? And so from the beginning, you've built these local foundations that everything is built upon, built upon and grows. Esports has grown the opposite way. So starting in Asia, but catching fire online and everybody playing online, not necessarily need to, to be in the same place in person and has over recent years grown down to both the local and the amateur levels. So rather than starting at local and amateur and going global and pro, it started global and pro down to youth sports and uh, and local places. So so that infrastructure is, is, is very hard to understand. And so what's happening now, which is really exciting, is we're getting involved with scholastic esports more and more, youth esports. So high schools and colleges now have uh, Overwatch teams, League of Legends teams, Valorant, Rocket League, um, hosting teams just like you would baseball, basketball, soccer, etc. And so Megan mentioned Six Flags, and that's a, a project we've been involved in. And um, they're a, a sponsor of the, the Esports Trade Association Conference and very involved with what we're doing. Um, they recognized this, the, that Scholastic Esports is growing and the need for local support. And so by the recognition that high schools and colleges cannot find venues that are small enough and low cost enough typically to host competitions regularly because they have very small budgets and they have smaller audiences and really is realizing that Six Flags has smaller venues on site at their parks, they're able to fulfill a need there. We're now in the San Antonio area to start and rolling out in all of the other uh, Six Flags locations the high schools and colleges there will now be able to go there and compete regularly and also have a full theme park to uh, to entertain all of the guests. So as a response to that, we are now launching a San Antonio chapter um, to help support what's going on with Six Flags. Um, so that's a very high level uh, description of kind of that global local dynamic. Um, but it is absolutely the time to get involved and things are now getting solidified just enough. So it's making a little more sense and people can really make some concrete steps towards supporting the gaming community, which is basically every kid in every one of your towns. Great. Well, I'll turn over to Sheree. I just want to make sure we, our listeners note that Joel is safely back in his office. I've made it back to my desk. <laughs> and I think, you know, great explanation and I think it plays in well into you know kind of the evolution of where we go but and especially as cities like we have people that are working on esports and we're like how do we get involved but what are you seeing from like cities especially like smaller cities not these big first tier cities of like how do you get involved in the esports and how do you get your facilities you know so that they can host these events with you know all the requirements yeah that's a great question I think one of the most commonly asked asked questions to me in particular is, um, how do I get involved? And and then the second thing, there are the smaller cities that quote unquote don't have an arena built and they see what other cities have had or maybe haven't gotten a grant or and um I can't believe that the amount of people and the expressions on their face when I say, Do you have an old theater? or do you have um you know, a, 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 a bill, you know, there's, there's real estate in cities that um, you can, a university, a high school, like it's not complicated and there's not as much space needed as you think. And the investment doesn't have to be what you think. So repurposing what you have, I think is the best kept secret to share because it's such an aha moment for so many. And I do believe that that message might've come from resources that want you to think that. And, um, and, the, and there's, there's, you know, so you know, convention center. So I, I, I kind of joke and I say, you have no hotels in your city, <laughs> you know, the light goes off 
oh my God, like I could do esports now. And it's like, you're doing esports already. Go find the people that are doing it and connect with them. And then, then it rolls in, they join, and then they think about a chapter. So that's usually the small city evolution. Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah, to build on that, I think there's a couple of things. One is a lot of times uh, when we don't know a whole lot about esports, you know, we see these headlines, we see these massive numbers, right? We're like, oh my gosh, a hundred thousand people attended this event. I better build a stadium, you know, to uh, if I build it, they will come, sort of a thing. And um, some other cities like Fort Worth, which I think has done a tremendous job of attracting some really fantastic events. Um, like I was at the Rocket League World Championships uh, last August, and I look forward to. Halo. Um, I was actually skateboarding at your new skate park uh, two days ago. So kudos nice. on Fire Station Skate Park out there. That's super fun and well Thank built. Uh, that's a tangent though. But um, when you look at hosting smaller events, a lot of it is just get started. And yeah. that's, I think, a lot of what Megan is making a point to. Um, there are companies, uh, many that are members of ours, who can provide turnkey solutions to help you produce a tournament. Um, what you really wanna do is you wanna talk to the experts and engage with people who really know what they're doing so that even the smallest event is done well from a bracketing uh, standpoint, uh, from an online connectivity standpoint, and also invite the gamers of your community. Uh, one thing that is so wonderful about this community is when you ask people, what do they want or what should be done? They'll tell you, they're just waiting to be asked. And so oftentimes we can skip that step and we say, and we can guess and say, oh, you know what? Uh, let's book a 10,000 capacity arena and let's turn on the eSport and watch the kids come in, you know, and it doesn't quite work that way. But I would say, John, so don't tell us old fuddy-duddy short. I, when we open the door <laughs> to kids, by God, they're coming in. Hey, that's right. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> and what I would say too, this is the most important thing. And this is where some cities can struggle when you just say, let's host one big event is you don't want to do a one-off. You want to provide consistent support for the community. And so really looking at how can we, even when you're starting small, if it's the YMCA in your town, if it's the high school in your town, but when you consistently support this community over time, it will begin to grow. Um, so I think those are the big things to kind of recap is connect with experts, these turnkey solutions. We have many within our membership that we can recommend. Um, understanding you don't have to move heaven and earth. You can small start with something small. You can do a, a Super Smash tournament, which is very simple. You know, Rocket League tournaments are pretty straightforward. Um, and then engaging the community and saying, hey guys and girls, what can we do more of? What would you like to see? And they'll tell you and then do that consistently over time and things will start to work themselves out. Well, thank you for that. And I think that actually like like flows nicely into some of the, um, or into one of the questions that, that I have too for, for you. Um, so you're kind of talking about all those different events. Tell us a little bit about the attendee profile you're seeing. And, and I understand from, it, it can differ from game to game, right? Because yeah. um, each of the games, and I think from a destination standpoint, once you figure out what you're doing or what what tournament you might be looking at, what game is gonna is also going to depend on what that attendee profile is going to look like. Because while you may have 18 to 34 year olds that are playing online, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's gonna be the ones that are coming to your destination. So. Can you talk to us, and I realize that this is kind of a larger question here, but but um, maybe you can give us some specifics on kind of that those demographics, you know, the length of stay, you know, or how does, how does it look like too when they're in market, you know, they're there to obviously play a game and to do that, but, you know, we've also seen that they're very much like any other sporting event, they want to have other access to other things and do some different things um, as well. So can you talk to us about some of those as well? Yeah. So, you know, depending on the type of event that you're doing, obviously this is going to um, shift. So if you're doing something like 
you know, Fort Worth strategy of bringing in these events to Dickey's arena. Um, that's a little easier to measure some of that economic impact. Um, one great uh, case study is with the, the city of Raleigh, North Carolina. They hosted a Rainbow Six tournament and the, the city really embraced the initiative. Um, they brought in professional gamers from all over the world, all these teams that have Rainbow Six teams and tons of fans came in, uh, a lot of sponsors that supported the, the event. And it was reported that there was about a 1.45, about one and a half million dollar economic stimulus for the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, which is about a 400,000 uh, population city um, as a result of ho hosting that event. So what you're seeing is you're going to have a lot of people coming to your city. You're going to, you know, heads and beds. You're going to be, uh, have people going to the restaurants, spending money. Um, another strategy that's interesting is if, if you look at Atlanta, Georgia, and this, uh, this information is a few years old now, but Atlanta has really focused on incentivizing um, esports productions. So they have tax incentives, uh, grants for broadcast focused esports productions in the state. Um, I think the governor, governor reported there's about 12,000 esports employees in the state of Georgia, uh, which has had about a, a $500 million impact on their state. And so from that perspective, you're saying, okay, we're not just attracting people for events, but recognizing all the employment tax revenue opportunities in your city when you're hosting companies that are working in this area. Um, everything from technological innovation, production companies, stadiums, teams, um, and then obviously engaging youth through uh, through scholastic esports, which would be college and high school. I know I'm going a little bit off on your question, um, but to give it back to the the types of demographics, um, you know, it's as far as who's competing, it's kind of a young person's game. So you see some folks who are as young as 15 years old, who are some of the best players in the world. Um, you're, you're kind of aging out in your early to mid twenties as a professional player, but the audience itself ages quite a bit older than a lot of people would realize. So you have a lot of fans that are up into their forties. So you've got disposable income there. There you go. Yep. Joel raised his hand. Hey, Joel, Joel, you're, you're, you're in the loop. You're in your forties. <laughs> I mean, I get the gray hair jokes guys. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> No, no, I you you hit on that. I that's the thing I think sometimes people misunderstand a little bit is the age range. I mean, you go back and I'm of course dating myself. I'm in my early, I'm still in my early 40s, Cassie, until this birthday. Then I officially move into the mid 40s. Ooh. But um, you know, we grew up playing video games, and now you're watching these kids and they're playing. The stuff my kid does on Fortnite, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even contemplate how to, the button combination, you know, I'm still up, yeah. down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, and I get to go play the extra round and uh, a, a Contra or something uh, back in the day, you know, or what right. was the goal to get to Mike Tyson and punch out, you know, um, but then you watch what these kids are playing today and you're like, holy man, it, it's amazing to, it's, I, I do find it uh, fun to watch what they can do. And then I sit there and look at my kid and I'm like, okay, dude, why are we not playing for the million dollars? Okay. Let, I mean, if we're going to play this all day, let's, let's, let's get serious. You know, <laughs> you know but what when, kills me is as kids, it was like, we all wanted to play. And now kids just love to watch other people play. And I'm like, no, give me that controller. I want to play, but it's amazing how that evolution has worked from like being a player versus being a spectator. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, a couple of things on that. Is, number one, Joel, I would say one thing that people need to understand about their kids playing video games, obviously everything in moderation. We, we want our kids to be active and play outside, of course, but there are, gaming is not a waste of time. There are so many careers that are both in the esports industry, but also outside of the esports industry that the act of gaming, those skills contribute to those types of careers, whether 
you want to become a pilot, um, whether that's in our military or, or for an airline, or we're even seeing nowadays surgeons doing surgery remotely, right? And so the ability to manipulate a controller and do things in that way, there's a lot of careers and opportunities and it is not a waste of time. Um, so I, I think that's just really important to point out for, for people in the audience is, you know, just because we don't understand something doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And if we see what every young person is doing, they're playing video games. Um, as far as watching, uh, what I would say is absolutely uh, the industry has evolved. Uh, and so there's a lot of opportunities to watch people play video games. But when people point out to me, me and Megan talk about this all the time, is it's like, well, you know what a lot of people watch too? They watch other people cook food. Mm -hmm. or we watch other people talk about politics and golf yeah you <laughs> and golf and we watch people we don't just watch people play sports we watch people talk about watching people play sports and so what it really comes down to is relevant entertainment and it just so happens that uh professional competitive video gaming is relevant and entertaining to youth because it's what they're doing every day. And we just love to watch the best in the world do what they're the best at. One of the one of the things you should come to Esports Next Sport is to meet Steve Isaacs. He's amazing. Um, and you, you'll love him. Uh, he's the head of programming for Epic Games. And we were in Texas where he was showing us some really cool Unreal Engine um, up, new, new projects that he was working on. Well, I am the world's worst gamer, always have been, never won anything. I've never seen my initials on anything ever, ever, ever. So I am an awesome foosball player because when I grew up, there was foosball always next to the games and Steve and I played. I've never had my foosball tournaments shoutcasted before. <laughs> Sherry, it was like, such an experience because I've been winning at foosball for decades. And um, I, for the first time had it shout casted and I almost tied Steve. He won by, he, he beat me by one point. It was very serious. I was soaked and <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed. It was at our coffee connection in, uh, where were we, John? Were you there? Uh, Arlington. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were in Arlington. Um, so anyways, I, I digress, but the, the experience of having my foosball tournament shoutcasted was nothing I've ever experienced before. And these were, these were some teachers, some students, and it was, there was crowds around us. I love it. I love it, it was it. awesome. It was awesome. The other, the other thing that I want to point out too, and I think John, you were kind of, you were, you were kind of hinting at this as well is is in addition to just the playing of the game as well, is there's so many career opportunities too. And being able to bring in high school and college. Um, so it's not just, hey, play this really great game, but yeah. you're you're emphasizing STEM programming. You're emphasizing some of these different possible careers that people can go into. And quite honestly, you know, their, their career counselor may not have that. And so I think bringing those bringing those groups in whenever you can as a destination, not only to partner on an event like this for that exact reason, but also, um, you know, it gives back to the community and we're from a, from a destination standpoint and from a sports commission standpoint, that's something that we're all striving in this industry to do. And that's a really easy touch point um, that, that you can kind of check a lot of boxes and not have a lot of lift. Very well said. Yeah. You know, there's some schools around the country that are, they're hosting their own esports events and enabling the students to be involved with every facet. And so if you just think about real world application uh, of learning and gaining skills, you have production, right? You've got all the lights, camera, running the game, all these things. Um, you've got marketing, promoting your event. Uh, you can gain experience with sponsorships, you know, <clears throat> engaging local businesses to be part of this event. You've got the broadcasting component where you've got the, the shoutcasters who are talking about the game during the gameplay, all these other things that 
is really engaging young people because it's the the topic or the pastime they're most passionate about. And Mm -hmm. so it's just a great tool, not just for the revenue and the taxes and the heads and beds and all these things, but when you want to be relevant to youth, whether that's recruiting them to your school, whether creating on-campus activities to keep kids out of trouble, um, you know, uh, after school and interesting in them in learning, whether it's STEM or whether it's other types of career skills, esports is a fantastic solution for all of those things. One. If you can imagine that students are going to locations, gaming lounges, uh, computer labs, not only to play, but to practice because there are many schools, high schools and some universities that don't have a gaming lab. And these students don't even know what they don't even know. So I was there a couple of weeks ago at the Ignite Gaming Lounge and I I was just being with some of the students and I, you know, how are you doing? Great. How often do you come here? We come twice a week as a team. Well, how nice is that? They don't even know that really that should be in their high school or closer to their high school. Now, these guys, these kids are traveling in Chicago, 30 miles on train. And the the students I spoke with, some of them didn't even have a computer. That was their only means of practice. Imagine a football team going 30 miles on the L or the train or a bus to go play at the field and borrow equipment. I it, it was just shocking for me right here in Chicago. These happen to be college students. Yeah, this one time. So when you think about what you could do as a city for your school, or your high schools and your students and your community and colleges, hello, you know, what an opportunity to get students to your your university, you know, yeah. there's there's empty space in so many places that people don't know what they don't know or don't think what they don't think, right, John? Yeah, and that that's really what Six Flags has done, yeah. you know, which is really helping to to earn the 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 hearts and minds of the community down there in San Antonio, and um, they've created a special partnership with UT San Antonio, where their esports team free of charge is able to go and practice on the high-end PCs and the, the, the beautiful environment that Six Flags and Coca-Cola has, has built there in San Antonio. And that's something that, you know, absolutely can be replicated in supporting our, you know, our esports communities, especially when you have gamers that have lower e- economic experiences, right? Is, is that this digital divide is something that, can divide gamers more than traditional sports. You know, it's pretty easy to have uh, get a basketball and there's a court next to your house, or you you kick a soccer ball around a park, or you throw around a football. But the fact that you need whether it's a console, a mobile phone, or a PC to compete in these games, um, and not everybody has those things. I didn't have those things when I was a kid. And, um, you know, it's a great way to be able to lean in, really support the community in those ways. And that's something that every city can do, regardless Mm -hmm. of the size of your population. That's a great point, John. That that, I tell you that that's some good stuff right there, because and it's kind of a good segue into the the, the kind of last question on this conversation Um, from the destination side. um, What? the journey of a million miles, it's got to start somewhere. Um, what, what's, what's the first step if you're and and I'll use our city as an example. We're, a, um, we're a huge tech hub, um, space program starts in Huntsville and then goes out to Houston and Canaveral and everywhere else. Um, obviously esports is kind of would be, it fits our destination, but What's the what's the if you were talking to any of us from a destination side, what what's the first step uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, um, 
not to sound biased in any way, but really I think the first step is to get engaged with the Esports Trade Association. And the reason that I say that is that we have a, a community full of members that provide services and solutions for all of the things that you need to get started, whether that's an online tournament platform to give you a turnkey option to be able to, to engage gamers, whether online or in person, or you want to take that next step and you really want to do a more solid uh, live event, a lot like what uh, what we've seen Fort Worth support. Um, I would really include, I would encourage anybody listening to this, get involved with the Esports Trade Association. Um, you know, enable us to help you. And let's also position you in the right way to accomplish your goals uh, that, that you're working on as well. Megan, what would you add to that? I would add, thanks, John. I would add, come to the conference. We only do it once a year because it's so good. We, um, and I say that as a, as a multi-decade veteran of doing events, I have had a folder that keeps growing in my file that if I could do an event <laughs> the way I would like to do it, I believe it's one of the best of the best. Um, it's esportsnext.gg. And um, it's August 20th through 22nd. We start here in Chicago. Um, we're in Chicago because it's the Midwest and it's easy for so many. We It's a global event. Um, we start with a Wrigley's game and we end with the a, a taste of Chicago uh, fun tour. Um, it's just really, really well done. There's something for everyone. Um, John, you might want to go through a little bit of uh, some of the exciting <coughs> different activations we have from speed networking to um, to expert league panels, but it, it it's a uh, it's 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 a little different than an event that you've ever been to, and I say that very very loudly. And people, when they leave, say, "Megan, you're right. I've never been to anything like this before." And go ahead, John. Yeah, just to add a little bit to that, what we really focus on is the is building relationships. Um, it's been my experience that the networking is often the most valuable part of a conference. And so what we try to do is not just get people in a room to exchange a business card, but we provide experiences like Wrigley Field, um, like the Taste of Chicago to build experiences around relationships and really enable people to um, grow closely during those two or three days to then have some strong follow-ups. In addition, uh, we, ha we have some fun things. Uh, we have an elevator pitch competition. So you're going to be experiencing some of the most innovative uh, technologies uh, that are coming up in the industry and have an opportunity to really be in the forefront of knowing what that is. Or if you're an investor, um, getting involved with those opportunities. Uh, of course, we're hosting experts from a wide variety of companies and experiences, whether it's uh, Riot Games, who publishes uh, Valorant and League of Legends. Uh, we've got a number of professional esports organizations. We have some of the biggest scholastic esports leagues in the country. And we have quite a few people from CVBs and sports commissions from all over the country who will be attending as well, um, who you'll have the opportunity to compare notes with um, or learn from. So um, we do our best to just make it a very valuable experience and we'd love for you to be there and um, and learn with us while you're there you'll get a jersey with your gamer tag and if you don't have one yet you'll have one by the time you leave <laughs> uh, now listen i you already had me sold and oh, yeah. that just put me over the top and then you, then you <laughs> throw the swag on there uh and and i'll add as well because i didn't i didn't mention this earlier but our, our relationship with us to uh, is building a newsletter that we will drive out to the community that starts actually next week. Uh, we'll be driving a monthly newsletter out talking about all things esports and really serving as that bridge for the community. And then if you do attend the conference in Chicago this August, you'll get the first of what will be an annual guide that we'll produce uh, for the esports community. So really cannot be uh, more excited about the the new venture with ESTA and just a great team to work with. So looking forward to some great things down the road. That's awesome. And if you beat Megan at foosball, she'll sign a copy of your magazine for you. That's <laughs> nice. Yes, I love it. 
What's your tag name? What's your gamer name? MVP. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Seriously, Cherie, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, so go back when, uh, so as we were leading up to the show, I, I, uh, I, we connected on LinkedIn. I'm like, wait a minute. We got an MVP on the show. I mean, this is our first MVP we've ever had on the show. <laughs> so fun it's so fun to have a gamer tag and it's so fun to have an avatar we i i think we're we're just really committed to to making the world a better place one fun avatar and gamer tag at a time that's right cassie just to let you know my my gamer tag is old lampshade oh that's there you go it's like waiting for it i was waiting oh, yeah. for it yeah. old lampshade you, you, can, you can find me losing to my kid on twitch uh every once in a while so uh, i believe cassie's gamer tag is don't dallas my fort worth there you go there you go (laughs) it might be a little long so i'm gonna have to figure out how to it's a lot to type every yeah yeah yeah, i might have to shorten it a little bit but i like i like where you're going i like where you're going that's fantastic john i was gonna say ben ben jeff and and uh sheree i guess we need to know your guys is uh your guys' tag. <laughs> think on it. Here's a little tidbit for the next episode, everybody, as you're listening. Tune in next time to hear Ben and, and Cherise and Jeff email us yours so that we can tell everybody what yours is. And, and there will be a recap on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll follow up for that on, for sure on that. So, um, Jeff, John, Megan, thanks for joining us. So we'll we close out each episode with a fun question. Since we're in the esports realm today, uh, it it's this one's kind of a low hanging fruit. What's your favorite video game to play of all time? I'm going to go back. I'll I'll open it up and then we'll go from there. Uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, by far the greatest football game ever created. I have now found that they have a Nintendo simulator that you can play on your computer and download current day rosters. So I've gotten to play with my Jacksonville Jaguars in Tecmo Bowl because go back, the Jaguars didn't even exist at Tecmo Super Bowl when it first came out. So it's been fun to kind of do a little flashback to my childhood. Um, uh, Megan, we'll start with you. Favorite video game growing up? Still, always, never leaving Miss Pac-Man. So rocking. I like it. My favorite growing up was uh, was Street Fighter 2. We'd go over to the neighbor's house and just uh, beat each other senseless. Um, Nowadays, uh, I have an eight-year-old son, and so uh, we're playing Minecraft together. We're playing Mario Kart. uh, And some of the classics, Star Fox, Mega Man, Contra as well on the SNES Classic. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Anything that's competitive, we're into it. The Mario Kart, we actually found a rainbow road on a road trip a couple weeks ago. And it actually had, like, uh, curbs on it. So we were very disappointed that it just didn't fall off into outer space so that was just like an ayahuasca story or how did you find this rainbow road i think it was i I want to say we found it in kansas i may have found it in kansas city uh at the show i don't know i i was very uh surprised that rainbow road wasn't littered with banana peels uh green shells and uh and and (laughs) herbs so uh that that was that was very disappointing from that standpoint Jeff, what was your favorite video game? Yeah, so so really two, I would say growing up was definitely Madden. And, you know, still to this day, uh, my friends and I talk about these epic Madden football battles that we had. So that's very cool. I, I would say more recently, Assassin's Creed, I got a little too addicted to. Um, I would fall in the bed at three o'clock in the morning. My wife would wonder where I was. I'm like, well, I was kind of in the basement playing Assassin's Creed. Uh, so uh, that got a little bit out of hand, but that was a uh, that was a pretty intense game too. Cassie, what was yours? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna open up the door here. I am uh, you know when I was growing up, 
uh, video games. I, I was raised by my grandmother and she thought video games were not the greatest thing. So it was always, hey, go outside and do something. Um, so, but when I would always sneak over to a friend's house, like we played Sonic like all the time. And as they would like, I loved the sound of like getting the coins. Like that was the best thing. Like talk about dopamine hit right there. Um, but then, you know, when I got into college is, uh, uh, you know, Guitar Hero had just launched and like, that was like my jam. Go. Like, I mean, Mm, I know that it's like not a competitive yeah. yeah literally my jam um but yeah so I don't get to play as much now um or or don't do a ton but um you know my my husband every once in a while will get out his xbox or do something and and um enjoy that so um but yeah that's that's mine for you sonic and uh guitar hero nice all right all right three <sighs> Um, I have a few couple. Mine are a little, um, I loved a good duck hunt about two inches away from the TV screen, right? That's how you got those ducks really good. Um, classic. Did uh, you know that the second player can control the duck? What? No. Yeah. No. You know Wait, this? No. My no, level unlocked. No, we need another episode level. just on this, John. Oh my gosh. Mind blown. Uh, okay. So now we're going to have another follow-up episode on secret tricks that John knows in video games. <laughs> we didn't know. The second controller controls the duck. Oh my you gosh. You can control the duck. It can be a two-player game. in what? duck. Hunt. Never knew that. So that was a good classic game. Yes. Totally mind blown. Kid Icarus was another favorite. And I don't think I ever beat the game. I don't, I don't know if there was ever an end to that game. Um, and then Sonic was a, a, another big one. But then with my kids, um, Super Mario Kart. We love playing it on the Switch and it becomes a family game. And so some really cool, like Goonies was another good one out there. You can see I was a kid of the 90s. Um, but yeah, I, um, so I love Guitar Hero, another family one that we play. So I have some fond memories. I don't play it as much as um, like other kids played because I was out, you know, running the street playing basketball, but um, definitely have some few favorites in there. And you were just going to stop with running the street. Running I'm like, street okay, well, right. that's, that's yeah. interesting. Well, it sounds like, uh, sounds like, sure, you and I need to have a Guitar Hero battle off here. That's, yeah. and maybe the loser has to wear tights. There you go. Yeah. Done. Now, we have now come full circle and closed the bet. I love it. Ben, we'll close out with you. Um, I was literally that guy standing in the corner thinking that I was doing something great with the game when my controller was just in the corner getting demolished by everyone else. Um, also, I would say Madden 99. I could probably still sing like the entry song if I had to. I also remember Please. throwing yeah. throwing controllers at my brothers because that's what happens when you play with, with siblings. So, um, but yeah, Madden 99. Truly a classic game there. Truly. One of the last editions before Tom Brady came into the league. Not that anybody's a big Tom Brady fan on this podcast, but <laughs> um, we're just Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Yeah. Just Jags. We're a we've got Trevor Lawrence. So we 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 actually have a human being that could better better. Hair. So it's exciting. Well, John, Megan, thank you all for joining us today. Jeff, thank you for connecting us. This has been a, a, a great episode. We really appreciate it and uh, and look forward to seeing you guys in Chicago in a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank great you. information. Right, for today's episode of the Business of Sports Tourism podcast, for my crew, Cassie Poss, Ben Snyder, Cherie Gwynn, I'm Joel Lamp signing off. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody.